drugs, sex, and eight dead women. I believe she's with God, and that's the best place she can go. And she's free, and I think she's away from all the pain. More than 10 years after the first body is found, there are lots of theories, but still no answers. Was it the work of a serial killer? Was a law enforcement officer involved? Was it someone they knew? Who can kill eight girls in a small town and no evidence, you know what I'm saying? This is Southwest Louisiana Unsolved, the Jeff Davis 8. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Southwest Louisiana Unsolved, the Jeff Davis 8. I'm Jillian Quarter. In our first episode, we explored what we know about the details surrounding the death of victim number one, Loretta Lynn Chasson Lewis. She was found dead on May 20, 2005. It wasn't more than a month later, another body was found. Ernestine Marie Daniels Patterson was born on September 11, 1974. She had bright eyes, a big smile. Like a lot of siblings, Ernestine's younger sister, Jessica, idolized her. I want to be just like her. She was, you know, free-hearted. You know, she was like, she had problems like everybody else, but, I mean, she was, she was good. Ernestine was 30 years old when her body was found in a canal about 16 miles southeast of Jennings on June 18, 2005. She became the second victim in the Jeff Davis 8. Ernestine's family says things weren't always bad. In fact, growing up, Ernestine went to church several times a week. She was smart, active, and racked up a lot of achievements in school. Then came marriage and her four children. And Ernestine's family says somewhere after that marriage went south, things went downhill. Her sister explains in this 2009 interview with KPLC's Cynthia Arsenault. Something took a hold of her. I remember one night, me and my sister Petrina, that's, that's next old, is she lived in Lake Charles. She, uh, she was sitting right there and, I, and it was like, you know, she was just crying and stuff. And she was like, she was looking at that, she said, Lord, just, you know, take me now, I know. I know, I know, I know I'm going to heaven, and Lord, I didn't do nothing wrong, and I, I, please forgive me for what I'm doing. After that incident, Jessica says she begged her older sister to go to church. And like, you come to church? And she was like, no, leave me alone. You know, I was like, and my sister, Patricia said, Mary, I don't like seeing you like this. She said, please come to church. You know, the Lord going to deliver you. You need to get back in church, and she just kept saying no. All she wanted to do was go to rehab. All she wanted to do was get clean and just go back to Baton Rouge. She kept saying she needed to go back to Baton Rouge. Some of our Baton Rouge, she needed to go back to her kids was out there. At the time, Ernestine's children were with their father in Baton Rouge. And although Ernestine was dating again, Jessica says she wanted to get clean to be with her children. One thing standing in the way, a relationship with a man, Jessica says, wasn't good for her. The dude she was with really brought her down. He really did. He said he loved it, her. But buying clothes, he was doing a lot of damage to her. I mean, he done a lot to her. Jessica describes one particularly eerie night she was with Ernestine walking home from an event. They were nearly at their destination. It was dark, late at night. A man drove up, offering them a ride. They declined. He popped the trunk, about to get the gun and shoot us. 
But I took my sister and I ran. Boy, we ran. And, he, and I said, leave us alone. I said, I'm going to call the police. Leave us alone. He said, he's going to catch one of us and kill us. And I came home. I told my mom and them. Called the police. Please told me they really can't do nothing because, you know, I really didn't have a name. I, I didn't have his name, but I seen his face, and I still remember that man's face from the day. I remember the car, everything. He had black gloves on, white shirt, pants, boots, a beard, bald-headed, with blue eyes. Big bonded. Mm -hmm. I remember. I'm not lying, man. It really happened. Ernestine's mother and father expressed their frustration with the case during an interview in 2009. Are you frustrated? Yeah, I am. Because some people been telling me it's the police killing those women. They, too, remember the good in their daughter. She's a loving, caring person. And I don't think she deserved it. Cut her throat. I don't think she deserved it because that's, that's not right in God's sight. And that hurts a lot. I can't rest at night. It hurts a lot. It bothers me. Ernestine's mother and father told us during that interview nine years ago that they haven't seen their four grandchildren since Ernestine's death. Their only memories of their daughter are in a tiny black box that contains her ashes. Jessica held that box for us during that interview nine years ago. Her family told us they're still holding on to hope that one day her family will have answers. Nearly two years would go by before another woman is found dead in Jeff Davis Parish. Born the day before Thanksgiving, 1985, Kristen Elizabeth Gary Lopez is described by her mother as a sweet little girl. She was a loving child. She was my baby. In a 2009 interview, Melissa Gary could not hold back the tears for her daughter, taken at only 21 years old. But the trouble began years earlier. Kristen dropped out of school in eighth grade and started using drugs. Her family says they tried to steer her back on the right path. Talked to her, we've tried everything, and she would listen for a little while, but when I guess she got that urge. Kristen would repeatedly fall back into the same dangerous habits. In 2005, a girl Kristen knew, Loretta Chasson Lewis, was found dead in a canal in Jeff Davis Parish. Kristen was questioned by detectives. When they found Loretta, they uh, called, I remember if it was the same day or the next day, for them to interview Kristen. We were living in Welch, and I had to bring Kristen to uh, them talk. You could tell she was scared, but she never would tell me anything because I've asked her. Knew was there something bothering, but she just never would tell me. In the interview with Melissa Gary, she said she wasn't sure how much Kristen knew about Loretta Chasson Lewis's death. It would remain a mystery. On March 18, 2007, a fisherman discovered a woman's body in a canal off Highway 99 in Jeff Davis Parish. Identified as Kristen Gary Lopez. Authorities reported the body was too badly decomposed to determine a cause of death. But they revealed drugs were in her system. Oh, I wake up with her on my mind. I go to bed with her on my mind. It's my life. 
I mean, she's gone. I have no closure, no answers. A story so similar to those victims before her, and sadly, the five more that would follow. I pray that they find who's doing this and to give us some kind of closure. I know she's resting, I know she is, but I'm not. It wasn't long before Jeff Davis Parish was rocked by another death. Just before Mother's Day, a young mother is found dead, her daughter shaken forever. Whitney Charlene Dubois was born September 9, 1980. She and her biological sister, Taylor, were adopted by the Dubois family. Adopted brother Mike says Whitney was with them as a baby. Family photos of Whitney growing up show a little girl with dark blonde hair, blue eyes, and a sweet, loving smile. Even though uh, she was adopted, we had more of a, uh, of a blood brother and sister relationship. Uh, and like I said, I raised her partially as my daughter for a long time. Because they were close in age, Mike's daughter, Brittany, was like a sister to Whitney growing up. You have to understand, I was the only child um, with my mom and dad, and Whitney was a few years older than me, so uh, my mom was very fond of Whitney already. So um, Whitney coming back and forth throughout the years, we were basically raised together, and we played together, and we were raised together, and she was like my sister. Brittany describes Whitney as outspoken, lively, and determined. She was passionate about anything that she did. Um, she loved her family. She loved her daughter. She was our sister and probably our best friend. Um, she was a go-getter. She was motivated. She was feisty. <laughs> um, very different from a lot of other people you come across. Very outspoken, extremely outspoken. Maybe even more so than me and my sister combined. Family was everything to Whitney, and one day she had a child of her own, a daughter she named Beyonce. Unfortunately, Whitney would never see her daughter grow up. Whitney was found the day before Mother's Day, 2007. Beyonce, who was five years old at the time, had made her mom a Mother's Day card at school, not knowing her mother would never get to read it. She brought the cord to the funeral home, and she read the cord in front of the people in the funeral home. And she cried. Um, she put the cord on top of the casket, and she ran out of the funeral home. The Dubois family has been determined over the years to make sure Beyonce has a good life. Brittany told KPLC in a 2009 interview she has a problem with people categorizing her sister as having a high-risk lifestyle. Some people get up every day and go to work, and, and this is their nightlife. And although people don't know about it, if their body was found tomorrow, would it make it any different because they got up every day and went to work and took care of their children and raised their families and didn't expose what they did? Um, I feel like my sister fell victim to the streets, which a lot of people do. And her addiction was a problem that she became weak too and she couldn't fight, but I want to still be able to hold my head up high and be proud that Whitney was my sister. Whitney's brother Mike has been one of the most outspoken of the victim's families. She was a human being and she didn't deserve to die like she did. She had her problems, but she's still a human. 
she wasn't an animal. During an interview on CNN, Mike Dubois said he's been fighting for an outside, independent agency with greater resources and technical capabilities to investigate. This is larger than the Jeff Davis Parish or the Jennings Police Department can handle. And it's obvious that this is still going on today, and I believe we'll have still more murders yet to come because I think it's bigger than they are. Dubois is one of the family members who hired a private investigator in hopes that if someone was afraid to talk to law enforcement, maybe they would talk to an investigator with the family's best interest at heart. People are afraid to speak because the simple reason that if they do speak out, there seems to be pressure coming from the local authorities to shut up because you're not giving it to them for whatever reason or not, and they're afraid to talk to them. Uh, we have some strong feelings on some facts that I do know that uh, there is a leak there. There, uh, well, I believe some. I believe someone in there is involved. If not in some of this, at least in a cover-up. We'll dive into more about what that private investigation uncovered later in the series. We'll also hear from Mike Dubois about his theories that there are more than just eight dead women in Jeff Davis Parish, why he believes there are five more deaths connected to this case. But first, almost two years after the first body was found, authorities announced to arrest. Could this be the break families and detectives have been hoping for? That's next time on Southwest Louisiana Unsolved, The Jeff Davis Eight.